Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Hey, good morning to everyone. It's great to see you all here on this beautiful uh, spring Easter morning. Uh, I had somebody send me a, a, an Easter card and they said, Pastor Todd, you've lived in Alaska long enough to know now um, that spring is whenever the dirt shows. And so it's spring. Okay, it is spring. Hey, I want to begin uh, by just saying to you, um, and reiterate what Pastor Tyler said, uh, that without Easter, without Resurrection Sunday, uh, we of all people are to be most pitied. Uh, for we have placed our hope in a Savior, but just not any Savior. We placed our hope in the one who died for our sin and has been raised from the dead, uh, the one about whom we can say he has risen, he has risen indeed. Uh, The theme of my talk this morning uh, is uh, the last word, the last word. Uh, And as a a student of history and culture, I've always been fascinated uh, by people's last words. Oftentimes, um, they remind us of what their lives were about, or at least they give us an insight into where their hearts were at the time when they were about to take their last breath. There's, there's one that just sticks with me and haunts me. Uh, I'm not going to put it up on the screen. I will the rest. But this one, I think about it every Easter. It's uh, the NFL Hall of Famer, former owner of the Oakland Raiders, Al Davis. Uh, he is quoted to have said, uh, among his last words, I'm fascinated with death because it's the only opponent I can't figure out how to defeat. Wow. Boy, I'd like to take his playbook and just write the words Jesus across the front. Right? Amen? Amen? Well, let's look at some others. Some famous uh, last words. How about Leonardo da Vinci? Let's throw da Vinci up. Da Vinci says, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Uh, Da Vinci, at some level, died with regret, didn't he? With regret. Uh, And then there's Bob Marley. Money can't buy life. Money can't buy life. Um, I've never seen uh, a hearse with a U-Haul behind it, okay? And, And that's the truth that Bob Marley reminds us of. How about uh, Charles Chaplin? This is interesting. He was a comedian even to death. Uh, A priest was reading his last rites, and the priest said, May the Lord have mercy on your soul. Uh, Chaplin was reported to have replied, Why not? After all, it belongs to him. Okay. Then there's Winston Churchill, a man who accomplished so much in his lifetime, and yet in the end, 
His last words, I'm so bored of it all. And then finally, Harriet Tubman, a hero, heroine of history. She reflects a hope that perhaps uh, is the most important hope at all, and she's quoting the words of Jesus. I go to prepare a place for you. Famous people across a broad swath of of history and culture. Uh, Their words reflect their hearts. We're in different places. But there's one thing that is in common, that all of them have in common. And that is, at least for now, death had the last word in their life. Death had the last word. And then there were what could have been the the last words of my wife. As I think back to an event that many of you know about, it'll be um, two weeks from this Sunday, it'll be two years that that Lori had a life-threatening medical emergency. And I remember when the doctor said that you're going to be life-flighted to Seattle because there's no one here that can help her and time is of the essence this is serious. It's, it's really a big thing. And I remember um, flying in that um, medical jet. Um, <clears throat> no champagne service. But she got first class medical service. But as I was sitting in the rear and watching my wife kind of come in and out of consciousness and, and her body, they, she had these... Um, these little seizures because of the trauma that was going on in her brain. Um, I didn't know. I, I didn't know if I was going to be going on from Seattle to Los Angeles planning her, her uh, memorial service, her funeral there to be buried with her family or whether I was going to be able to bring her back to you here in Alaska. I didn't know. And, and at that moment, I was watching her and and suddenly my mind just went to this place, this dark place where I was planning her service, thinking about where she'll be buried and what we're going to do and how will we notify family. And, and God quickened my heart. He just quickened my heart. And, and I'll never forget is as if he was saying, Todd, don't go there. Stay in the present. Stay with your wife. Because that's where I am right now. I'll never forget that. And, and suddenly, my mind and my thoughts were reeled back into the, into the moment. And that the plane, I have to tell you, it's the longest three-hour flight I've ever been on. And that plane landed and touched down in Juneau to refuel and, and, and to switch the flight crew. And quickly, I seized my opportunity to get off and to use the restroom and and as I was getting off the plane, there was Lori laying there, and for a, just a brief moment, I mean, she was kind of awake and conscious, and, and, and I looked at her, and I bent over, and I kissed her on the forehead, and I said, honey, things are going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I'll never forget her response. It could have been her last words, but those words told me everything that I needed to know about her at that moment and everything that I needed to hear.
she looked at me and she said, hmm, I'm in God's hands now. And I have to tell you something. It wasn't the, I'm in God's hands now, everything's going to turn out all right, and we're going to have a fairy tale ending to this story. It wasn't that. It was a, a place of deep faith and conviction that comes from a person who's walked with Jesus for decades. That whether I live or I die, I'm going to be okay because I'm in God's hands. I'm in God's hands. You see, it wasn't determined by the outcome. It was determined by her belief and knowledge and her Savior and the hope that only He can give. And it's the words of our Savior, His last words before His death that gave Lori so much hope. Let's look at some of these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The weight of our sin placed upon our Savior as He nailed to the cross, paid the price for that sin. And in that moment of agony, He cries out in the words of Psalm 22, a psalm written about Him long before His incarnation. His agony. His suffering. The the separation that, that sin causes with God our Heavenly Father. He bore it all on the cross on that day we call Good Friday. Then there's, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing. You might remember the story. They were casting lots, dividing up gambling for his personal belongings and they were mocking him. He had been beaten, he had been scorned, he had been spat upon. The religious leaders looked up and and, and mocked him and said, he saves others, but he can't save himself. If you're the Messiah, you come down off that cross. And he says, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. He hung on the cross and shed his blood for the ones who nailed him to it. I'll never forget serving as a chaplain in the L.A. County Jail, a conversation I had with an inmate. He came into my office and, and he said, I, I want to have the hope that Jesus promises, but I can't. I just can't. How could he forgive a person like me? And I said, well, what do you mean? How can he forgive you? He says, you don't understand, chaplain. He says, I'm responsible for a man's death. I killed a man. How could God ever forgive me? And in a moment of clarity, not unlike on that jet to Seattle, the Lord brought these words to my heart and to my mind and I share with him, no, I, I do understand. I'm responsible for a man's death too. His name is Jesus. And it's my sin 
my sin that he went to the cross for. And his suffering and his agony were because of my sin. And so I do know. And he offers you his forgiveness just as he's offered it to me. I'll never forget that conversation. You see, it's our sin placed upon him that caused the agony that we read about. And then there's, Father, into my hands I commit my spirit. (laughs) There were three hours of darkness between noon and 3 p.m. that day. Darkness symbolic of lament and the judgment of God that was poured out upon him. And towards the end, just before his last breath, he commits his spirit. And the scripture says that the veil in the temple, the place that separated the holy place from the most holy place, was literally ripped in half from top to bottom, symbolizing that his work on the cross paid in full our sin debt. And that because of it, we have access to God. That we can approach His throne of grace boldly and confidently because of what Jesus did for us. And then finally, the words, it is finished. It is finished. The one who came to give his life as a ransom for many. The good shepherd who came to seek and save those who were lost. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. His work was finished. His work was complete. And there never again needs to be payment for your sin and mine. That God, because of His sacrifice, says to us, as far as your sin is concerned, it's finished. You are justified, declared not guilty because of the work of Christ on the cross. Now, We can stand here today or I can stand before you and proclaim that because we know the ending of the story, don't we? We know that it didn't end. We know with Jesus, death didn't have the last word. We're here to celebrate what happened on Easter Sunday. And I'm sure all those followers of Jesus that Tyler alluded to They had a variety of feelings and emotions between that Good Friday and that resurrection morning. There was fear and there was failure and there was regret. There was pain and there was heartache and there was brokenness. There was sin and there was shame. And there is guilt. But if it weren't for this truth, 
they would have been left with that. If it weren't for this truth, you and I would be left to bear that, to live that, until our dying day. And perhaps even our final words might reflect those things. But here's the good news of Easter. Here's the good news that Lori had in her heart that allowed her to say with confidence and a peace that surpassed all understanding, I'm in God's hands now. It really doesn't matter. I'm going to be okay. Here's the last word. The last word. He has risen. He has risen. He has risen. So we can say to fear and to failure and to regret, there is hope. He has risen. Let his hope renew us. We can say to pain and to heartache and to brokenness, there is healing. He has risen. Let his love heal us. And we can say to sin, and we can say to shame, and we can say to guilt, there is wholeness. He has risen. Let His grace restore us. You see, death doesn't have the last word. The last word came on Easter morning. And it's a word of hope. It's a word of healing. And it's a word of wholeness. He is risen. He is risen indeed.